Emily Ewing Hayes, and this is Struggle for a Name, a podcast about caste and gender, and Nanamad Darandolan, a movement from 1978 to 1994 to change the name of a university in Maharashtra, India. This week I'm thinking about what people risk when they protest. This is related to the protest started by Colin Kaepernick among football players in the National Football League, NFL where certain players will take a knee during the national anthem to respect Black Americans who have been killed by police officers. Recently, U.S. President Donald Trump called these protesters sons of bitches and suggested that they should be fired from the NFL. Colin Kaepernick, in fact, has not been signed on to this most recent season of football, so he did sacrifice his job for what he believed in. I'm thinking about this because as I was collecting stories from Dalit or Buddhist women for this podcast, I heard over and over about the kind of risks that people took to be part of the Namantar Andolin. Some people faced violence from police officers, and we're going to hear one of those stories first. <laughs> I didn't go to Morchas that much. After that Morcha, that happened on Mahatma Jyotiba Phule's birthday, the Lati charge one, where the demand gained traction. Morcha is the Marathi word for protest, especially marches. So Malathai went to the protest with friends her age, and she was at the very front. They stopped us near the Wazirabad police station. Police targeted the heads of the party first. They arrested Pradhan Saheb and took him off to the side. They arrested Vijay Sonwane, Narayan Gaikwad, and Suresh Dada. Notice that all the party leaders she mentions are male. They locked up all these people in the Wazirabad police station. They started the Lati charge, brandishing their batons like this and this. So many people, like uh, one old lady witness from Jaibhim Nagar, fell from the blows. The special reserve police picked up this old lady and put her in with the woman, and I fell unconscious. Malathai was stomped on and was unconscious for the rest of the day. Then there were another 15 or 16 girls from the hostel, and this happened to them as well. We packed the government clinic. I asked Malatai whether she decided not to go to protests after that, but this is what she said. I didn't feel that at all. If my mom didn't go to the protest, then I would go by myself with a flag. Tosabai Sanawane is the mother of Malatai. She's 97, and during our interview, she kept getting up to act out what she was saying. I had to follow her around with the recorder. She was one of the leaders of the Dalit Panthers in Nanded. I think she may have even had a title in the organization, which is the first time I've heard that among women involved with the Dalit Panthers. During the reign of the Dalit Panthers, I worked extensively. When it was necessary to mobilize women, there because of me, instead of the plan for 100 women, 200 women would participate. Over the course of the almost 100 years she's been alive, she's seen a lot of change, a lot of class change, rural to urban migration, gender roles, cultural change. She's risked so much in the movement related to our main theme of the episode. So I'll let her tell her story from the beginning. As children, we are interested in the flights of birds, in the gambling of deer, 
We had very little to eat, not much to wear, not like now. We were clothed in rags, really full of clothes. We ran like the winds and with the winds. We lived on buttermilk and sprouts, whatever available. There was no movement. There were no volunteers. Tosabai's father passed away when she was little, leaving her mother responsible for earning for all of them. My mother labored for four quarters a day. That was the wage those days. Four quarters. She would labor for the whole day, earn her four quarters, and retain in the evening with some grains and some lentils. Tosabai's family did not own the land they worked on. We did not know landed people. Poor people never had land. Poor people were asked to labor in the fields owned by others on a daily wage basis, often to pick cotton. When Tosabai was growing up, caste meant the same thing as class. Landowners were from the Maratha caste, and laborers were from lower caste. This caste class status was important on and off the fields. People would ask, "What caste do you belong to?" When we responded that we were untouchable, we were told to stand far apart from everybody else. Untouchable, remember, is the lowest rung on the caste ladder. People have relabeled themselves as Dalit, meaning oppressed, or Buddhist because of their conversion to Buddhism. When we asked for water, they brought us drinking water in container set apart for this purpose, and we would cup our hand and drink as the water was pumped out. Tosabai and her family moved into the city, and they were still poor there, but they got involved in politics through SM Pradhan, an activist who stayed with their family, and ended up marrying Malathai Sadat Pradhan. He was a major leader in Nanded and has passed away, but everyone remembers him fondly as a true leader for those times. He and Tulsabai Sanawane were responsible for the first Bhim Jayanti that was ever celebrated in Nanded. A Bhim Jayanti was a celebration of Dr. B. R. Ambedkar's birthday. Pradhan Sahab gave the rally cry, exerting everybody to join the parade and celebrate the anti. He went up to the roof, called out to the sky, and the people assembled. The parade started from a temple and wound down to the river. Free food was distributed and sculptures were put in place. That parade was a show of strength. After it, many marches started happening regularly. People were not afraid anymore. Because studied their rounds freely, those who could participate were expected to participate. Only one person was a doctor. Such were the people then. Bhikkhus are Buddhist monks. This was a moment when the stigmatized identity of untouchability was changed into one of pride. This is very particular to Maharashtra and has spread to other places. In other ways, a friend from Uttar Pradesh, a different state, told me that she didn't realize she could be proud of being scheduled caste or SC until she moved to Maharashtra. The Namantar Andolan carried this work forward, demanding that Dr. Ambedkar not just be honored within the community, but honored as a national icon too, as the writer of the constitution. We've talked in past episodes about how Sharad Pawar was the chief minister at that time. How the Maharashtra government announced its decision to compromise with the Namantar Andolan and its counter-protesters, and then there was a violent backlash. Dai Bai Maure told us about her experience in that and how she lost her husband to rioting.
Tusabai helped organize protests that took people in Nanded, who were very far from the centers of government, to the centers of government in Mumbai and Delhi. This must have made an impact when they were in Mumbai because Shadid Pawar climbed out of the airplane and came to visit us. There were many policemen there to protect him. There were a crush of people. There were a lot of violence in the crowd. The Namantar protesters saw themselves as noble, fighting for Dr. Ambedkar's name, struggling to get the government to fulfill its promises to them. Authorities didn't see them the same way. In one protest, an official spotted Tulsibai. He grabbed me and declared that since I was from Nandit, I probably was intent on violence. He created doubts in the minds of those watching that I probably had a life in my bag. The police then arrested me. Police arrested Dosabai soon. Two female police constables hurried over and took custody of me. A policeman met me then. He assured me that I should not be afraid of him, that he was one of us. I was overjoyed that there was a protest from Namantara, Adelan, around at such a trying time for me. Mobilizing so many people was difficult. Doing so without resources presented other challenges. When they organized a protest in Delhi, whole families went, including women and children. All of these people needed food too. So hundreds of women had to be called to cook all this food. Different protests were organized differently during the Namantarandolan. But I just want to point out the separation of labor that we've seen so far. The big activists who gave speeches, whose names everyone knows, were male. Those cooking food for the protests, whose names no one remembers, were female. Ward home on the street were turned into hotels so that the agitator would eat and rest. We were treated hospitably. But this meant that many people were stuffed into small spaces, so many people feel ill, had to be hospitalized, put on intravenous singing drops. The hospital did not want to host all these poor protesters for very long. As soon as the women who were hospitalized felt even a little bit better, the doctor would tell them to leave. This woman would not leave so easily. They challenged hospital authority and asked to be dropped off in hospital ambulance. So the hospital was forced to secure two vehicles. Protests continued, protesters continue risking their lives, and then a turning point happened in the movement in Nanded in 1993 with Gautam Wagmare, who was the Dalit Panthers district president at that time. Yes, the boy gave us all a war cry, Namanta, or immolation. Nobody in power took his words to heart, so he got a few petrol bottles one day and sat down. When passers-by asked him why he was sitting in the middle of the road, he calmly told them that he's going to immolate himself, showed them the bottle of the petrol and asked them to keep away from him. People started to become fearful that he was actually going to do it. He pulled the petrol on himself, let a match, and burst into flames. As he burned, he stayed sitting in that same position. After him, a last boy declared that he would also burn himself to death, like his friend. The government still took low notice. Their stance was to question the value of each life loss. They seemed to say, let us see how many of them die. 
Gautam Wagmar is that reignited the movement. A young woman named Suhasini Bansor set fire to herself in Bandara, a town near Nagpur. Activists associated with the Dalit Panthers and other groups were negotiating feverishly behind the scenes, and the name was finally changed in 1994 to Dr. Babaseb Ambedkar Maradwara Vidyapit, as in the compromise that the government had announced to begin with. We feel as though our happiness would reach out and touch the sky. People were extremely happy that the name changing had happened. Some set off firecrackers. Others took out a celebratory parade. Everybody had their own way of celebrating. 1994 was the end of the movement. It was the end of the Namantar Andolan. People call it Anavistar, a compromise, a name expansion, which conveys the disappointment that this movement that united people, even in rural areas, ended with a bit of a fizzle. It was disappointing in other ways, because the Dalit Panthers had sort of passed their heyday by this point. Ram Dasatole, Jogendra Kaure, and other main leaders had allied themselves with larger political parties, even if they still carried the name of various Dalit Panther factions. Ram Dasatole is one of these major leaders of the Dalit Panthers who's turned to politics. He's currently a member of Narendra Modi's government and a representative in the Rajya Sabha, the upper house of India's parliament. Ramdas Atawale was close to Tulsabai's family and to S.M. Pradhan, but Tulsabai feels that he has abandoned them in the past few years. What has Ramdas done for me? What has he done? He has changed from one party to the left, then from that party to a third. Now, when he did come to land it, he had no time for me. So, in the story of this mother and daughter, we get the story of a movement what it was like in Nanded, what people risked for it, and how it ended. Next week, we're covering the Long March, the biggest event in the Namantarandolin. We'll talk to two more spunky old women who are from Bandara, near Nagpur, and we'll continue talking about how women's history is different and what its limitations and potentials are as a way of studying history. This podcast is supported by the Yale South Asian Studies Rescue Award, the Yale South Asian Language Fellowship, and the Yale Parker Huang Travel Fellowship. Thanks to Mala Sadat Pradhan and Tosabai Sanawane for sharing your stories. Thanks to Dr. Rajendra Gonarkar, Budapriya Kabir, Rahu Pradhan, and Sheetal Gonarkar for making the interviews happen. Thanks to El Indubala for voicing Malatai in English, and Jia Zhang for voicing Tosabai. Finally... Thank you to Suasini Sakare, who wrote the beautiful translations of Tulsabai Sonone's interviews and did the English voiceovers for past podcasts. Sue passed away in a car accident two weeks ago. This podcast is dedicated to my generous, brilliant, and dramatic friend. 